Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. We're here again, second podcast this week. You're working me hard this week. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> for three weeks off. You're looking very tanned. It looks like you haven't done a lot of work in the last few weeks. So well, it's time to get you I've back been into walking. Into, I've been yeah. intermittent fasting. Wow. I've been swimming and been going nuts with two young children at home. Well, it looks like you've been having a great time and it's time to drag you back into the dungeon and okay. do some work. Fair enough. So we're joined by our... Our longtime friend, Mr. Rick O'Neill from the UK. Yes. And we had great feedback Hi from guys. your episode uh, a couple of episodes ago. People loved it. So we're back again we're for back. more digital marketing guru stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a big part of what we do, right? I mean, as we discussed in the last episode, there's no silver bullet for getting people in your door. You've got to be doing everything. And we live in a digital world and yeah. you've got to be able to do it all. And so who better to tell us all about it than... Uh, the man himself. The, the man himself. So today we're going to be focusing on Google local optimization. And to be honest with you, Rick, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but maybe just before we, before we get into the topic of the day, I know we've, we've had you on many times before, um, initially with, uh, well, your partner in crime who's no longer with us here today. Yes. <laughs> we got he's, rid of him. You're flying he's flying solo. He's very much alive. I just should put that straight on the record. Right. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Richard, if you're listening. <laughs> that was many moons ago. We many, did a many webinar and a podcast, actually. Yeah. But maybe just to sort of reorientate the listeners, could you just give us a little bit of a background about yourself, what you do? Um, yeah, yeah all, the, all the good stuff. So I've uh, been working in digital marketing for 24 years, and 15 of those have been in this market, um, starting out in plastic surgery, helping out uh, private hospitals and plastic surgeons with their digital marketing mm -hmm. and then over the last probably seven or eight years focusing entirely on aesthetics um i have an agency called ltf which stands for look touch and feel and we're a team of uh, digital marketers designers developers based at silverstone in the uk but servicing clients all over the place all over the world and our clients fall into two camps they're either clinics practitioners or the brands pharmaceutical companies manufacturers yeah and digital marketing is our gig fantastic and just to remind the listeners this is the second chapter of what we're calling the deep digital dive so chapter one was just a couple of episodes ago 193 so if you didn't listen to that one maybe start with that one and then uh, come back to this one yeah well this seems like a, a sort of a nice a nice continuation of where, where we sort of left off so in terms of local Google or Google lo local optimization. Can we just sort of break that down and, and translate that into English for all the Neanderthals and Philistines <laughs> like me that don't understand this stuff? Yeah, exactly. And by the way, it is a good segue because last time we were talking about social media, right? Yep. Yes. And um, I had a few think I had a few complaints about social media when we talked about it. Really? Or things to watch out for, should we say. Yeah. Things to watch out for, like the organic reach is declining and it's yep. hard work and stuff oh, like right. that. Oh, right, yes. 
Google local is the antidote to that. It's the counter to that. It's the fix. So that whatever you lose in social media engagement, you'll gain X fold if you follow this stuff. Right, right. So Google Google local uh, in plain English is a near to you search. So right. if you're opening up your phone and you're looking for I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to search for myself because I actually haven't looked at this. Oh, I'll show you. Not, not, not since 12 o'clock today. Jake's recent search is Dr. Jake Sloan. Jake Sloan. Jake Brand Injector. I can assure you I have better things to do than that. Most days. Sometimes I look for myself. What's the bet, Rick? He's got Google alerts on his own name. What do you think? 150%. I do even know how you do that. I genuinely don't. Maybe we can talk about that. The um, truth is, David, he asked me to set them up years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I found myself on Google. I'm there. There, there you go. That was Yay. quick. Um, so when you open up Google on your phone, usually people have location settings enabled, but even if not, there are ways. But a, a near me search is if you search for an Indian restaurant, it's going to show you probably a map with some of the nearest Indian restaurants to you. Yes. And those results that are next to a map and that are based on where you are, that's a Google local search. Yes. Right. So and actually when I've opened it, David lives in a town called Vaucluse and it says results for Vaucluse, but you can choose your area on your phone. There you go. There you go. So so that's what we're talking about. Right. Because that is really important for clinics because as a clinic, you're trying to target people that are within a certain radius of your yeah. location. Right? And and maybe that's kind of worth just explaining a little bit because I think that if you sort of go back five ten years ago, when there weren't as many providers, there were more. These were more, I guess, kind of niche services, not as commoditized as they are now. People were probably more willing to hop in their their car or hop on public transport and 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 travel somewhere to go and see a provider. But now, because there's so many, you want someone in your area. So I mean, is that worth discussing at all? I think in terms oh, of for the, sure. the trend around how things have changed. Yeah, I mean. This is not that long ago, Rick. You'll probably remember this as well in the UK. I'm sure they had it here. The yellow pages. Do you remember the yellow pages? <laughs> yeah. So if you needed, Indeed. I don't know, a plumber, you, you get this massive tome, which is called the yellow pages, and you're literally flicking through. And, you know, that that's how people used to do it. Yeah. So I guess this is like the digital version of that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's this that killed the yellow pages for right. sure. Um, yellow pages used to be, you know, four inches thick, and then in, I think the last version I ever saw it had about three pages in it, and then <laughs> yeah. it died. Yeah. Um, actually, that business still exists, and they do this now. They help people promote this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're not very good at it, but they have tried to pivot and and offer that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There are still cases where you can build your positioning and your profile to such an extent that people will travel. Yeah, a long way to come and see, and that's great. Uh, but for the most part, and for your typical clinic, you're trying to attract patients from. Well, it will vary in Australia. I don't know; it could be hundreds of miles, but in the UK, it's like ten, twenty miles. Yeah, is your radius? Um, might be slightly different in the US. Again, bigger places, but Google Local is going to bring you those people that are in your catchment area. And the difference between Google and social media is what I call the difference between push and pull. So on social media, you're pushing messages out and you're hoping to catch somebody at their time of need and also hoping that they're within some sort of distance of your clinic. And there's two 
two layers of hope there. Yeah. Uh, so that's like standing outside your restaurant, handing out flyers yeah. and hoping to catch hungry people that like your kind of food. Whereas Google, they're people that are at a point of intent. They've decided they want something, need something. They're typing it in. So they're already a better prospect. And then if you are appearing in their Google local results, you're also in their catchment area and they're in yours. So you're getting at least uh, two times better of a prospect coming to find your your clinic. Yeah. So that's why we think Google Local is really, really important for clinics going forward because you need to unlock this new channel of new patients that are near to you mm. and ready to go. Can I ask a really stupid question, but I think... Always. I can't think of any other search engines. Do people use anything apart from Google? Is Yahoo still around? Yahoo still exists. Um, DuckDuckGo? It's more like a news... What? DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGo? Isn't that a... Is DuckDuckGo a... is one of those things that manages to sometimes install it itself on your laptop. Right. Um, a lot of devices still come with Bing yeah. as the default. Oh, and obviously um, you've got Chrome, Google Chrome. Oh, sorry, that's yeah. a search engine. Not a... Chrome is the browser. Sorry, get um, my words mixed but, up, yeah. But honestly, Google has 98.9% .9 of the search market. Yeah, right. And if there's any so others, they I probably own them. Uh, I would this... start with Google. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when you think you've exhausted it, then have a look at Bing. Um, but yeah, the, the, the dominance is crazy. Yeah. Although... AI is coming for Google, but that's another episode mm. in the future. Oh, yeah. There's the a, chat GPT episode with Rick. Yeah. That's yeah, chapter gonna, nine. Yeah. We're 100% going to have to do an episode on that because oh, I'm playing with it and it's scary. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Um, good. Um, so, but, I guess, um, yeah, Google is the game. Google is God as far as search is concerned. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, again, if I cast my mind back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was looking at promoting businesses through Google, you'd be you'd be trying to look for, you know, Botox Sydney, for example, yeah. or, you know, in your case, Rick or Jake, you know, Botox London. And that was something that you really wanted to get a high ranking for. But now it's, it's, it, it's not like that anymore. As you said, we're moving into sort of micro, micro see, geographic areas and niches rather than trying to be everywhere because yeah. everything's become so populated and so condensed that, you know, trying to appear in a high search ranking for, such a large geographic space is a probably a big waste of money. It's hugely expensive and probably not going to get you the leads that you want anyway. So I guess there's been a bit of a paradigm shift on sort of where you want to appear for these searches and getting your head around the fact that you don't need to be ranking for those global city searches you're looking for really in, in your small communities. Would that be accurate, do you think, Rick? Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, by the way, it's even harder in the UK because you're not allowed to rank for those that word. Right. Same um, here in but, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Um, the, you've highlighted an important point in terms of SEO because there's two real types yeah. of SEO, search engine optimization. There's Google Local that we just talked about and mm -hmm. defined. And then there's national SEO, which is like the traditional version of SEO. It's all the other results that are not next to a map. Right. And that's, you would probably be working on that kind of stuff if you've got multiple locations around the country. Mm. Right. So if you're a bigger chain, then you need local SEO for your individual locations and you need national SEO for the broader search terms like you were just talking about. Right. Um, but if you're one clinic in one location, you're absolutely right. You're going to waste a lot of money if you go down the sort of broad match national ranking 
road because mm-hmm. it's a lot of hard work and you can't compete and you're going to be wasting a lot of traffic because people are going to be too far away from you they're not going to come and see you so um, my recommendation strongly to clinics in one location is to focus on this type of search that we're talking about today google right. local mm. appearing in the map so section. if you're let's use david's cleaning services and they're based in recluse what what inf- obviously we'll get onto google business and that's sort of where the business sort of plugs its information but when you come up on a search what what information is shown and what does the user what's the user able to do on that search got it so they'll see a very short summary of the name of the business where they are and sometimes google will show some kind of snippet that will either come from your website from your business profile which we'll talk about in a second or it might come out of a review that someone's left you Mm. or even a post because you can put posts into your own business profile which we're also going to talk about because they're really powerful um but you'll see just that short bit of information then when you click on it if you click on the result for david's cleaning company you'll then get a fuller version of his profile pop-up with a little pin as to where he is in the town and you'll get more information you'll get the reviews that customers have left you'll get a link to the website the phone number you'll get opening times any events that you're putting on special offers recent content you can have a whole host of stuff in there and not enough clinics understand how much content and info you can put in the business profile and it's really important well from what you said if 98 point whatever percent of searches are coming through google and your business isn't doing that properly you're mental (laughs) i mean yeah well you're certainly missing an opportunity (laughs) um and in hindsight you might think it was mental um the other thing to say about the trend is that this kind of near me search the amount of those that happen has gone up 34 fold in the last year wow wow so the a near me search things near me find me this local to me that kind of search usually on a mobile has gone up 34 times in the last year according to data from google i see you mean people have written yeah. botox near me in the search bar and then clicked it's becoming part of the vernacular that search oh, language okay. that people use yeah i've, I've never done that. clinic near me and and the other aspect to it the other kind of thing that's changed a lot um and we'll talk about how you write content to help with all of this as well at some point today the other aspect to it is the way people search is much more a full question than it used to be so Mm. people are more sophisticated in such that they would probably search more often um treatments for wrinkles around the eyes near me yeah you know a full long question quite specific compared to just filler yeah or similar so longer search questions are used more often now as well so your content has to answer those questions yeah it has to feature those questions um if we could take just a a step back for a second because i'm a little bit confused and if i'm confused there's probably a couple of other people that are confused as well so when it comes to google you've got your search engine optimization you've got adwords and i'm not sure how 
you know, alive and well AdWords is these days. And then you've got Google local business. So those are three different, I guess, kind of roads that you can head down when it comes to this kind of search traffic marketing that, you, that you're trying to do. I mean, is that, is that correct? And then how do they all sort of work together? Are they all, do they feed off each other? Do they leverage? I'm still a little bit confused. So maybe if you can just break that down yeah. a so little bit. Yeah. I guess there's really four top, four elements of Google, right? right? So you've touched on a few of them. Google local we talked about is the map results. It's your local listing. Yep. And that's powered by you creating a business profile okay. on Google. Right. Then you've got the national results that we talked about, which are all the sort of free results that you see that, that you've always seen on Google. Then you've got AdWords, which you mentioned, which is the usually ads two at the top, two at the bottom, traditionally, which is where you've created an ad account and you're paying per click mm-hmm. to have your ad featured there for certain keywords. Mm-hmm. There is also the ability to have an advert in the Google local results, mm. which confusingly Google also call that Google local. Um, but that's the ability to have in the map results, your ad at the top of those local results. Right. So there's really four bits and it, it can be a bit confusing, but the two most powerful for a clinic are the Google local natural result and the ability to have a paid ad if you want to within that same section. Right. Okay. So gen- so general SEO and your broad spectrum AdWord campaigns are not what we want to concern ourselves with with this conversation and, and clinics looking to market themselves. Well, I guess unless, I'm going to have a stab uh, at this. Yeah, unless you've got multiple locations. <laughs> right. Okay. And we'll get to that. But search engine op- optimization SEO, that, that that's not... Um, uh, what's the terminology? It's not sort of a tool. It's just it, it's it's what you're doing on your website to talk to Google. It, it's yes. how you're signaling, how you're labeling, how you're wording. But it's not one thing, is it? It's it's a strategy. No. It's not just a. It's a. What it is when you really break it down, and agencies don't like it when I explain this so simply. It's a checklist of things you need to do every month. Yeah, and they are relatively simple mechanically to do a lot of it's form filling or content writing um there are some technical aspects to it which is how your website is coded you know has it got the right elements in the background for google to be able to understand it Mm -hmm. but for the most part seo is just lots and lots of small tasks that you need to do every month okay so it's not one tool there are tools that can help you with it in terms of tracking your progress, seeing where your clinic ranks for certain keywords, things like that, which help you. Um, And I will recommend one tool which really helps with this Google local optimization, and it's called brightlocal.com, bright local. And it gives you a dashboard of how your clinic is performing in the Google local results specifically. And it will make recommendations. Um, and it will help you track all the different elements and we'll cover some of the key elements today that help you rank higher. So B-R-I-G-H-T local, bright local. That's, that's correct. Oh, okay. I've never heard of it. That's interesting. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So for today's discussion, we're talking about um, Google local and paid ads within the Google local, I guess, portal or within that within that little world so for people yeah. that are listening that are thinking where is this how do i find it 
if, if people want to look at this right now or want to put this on pause and, and go to their computers and see, you know, if their clinics are on here, what, what what's the step kind of by step process to try and find out if you do have a listing and how do you get it done? So first thing to do is to open your web browser and go to business.google.com. Right. Sign in with your Google account. Okay. So you have and to have a Google account if you account don't. If a you business don't. listing. If you've got a business listing, it will be there. Um, if you've got multiple Google accounts, you might want to try signing in with each one. Hmm. If you've kind of forgotten that you might have created a, a listing. If you haven't got one, Google may have created one automatically and you have to go and claim it hmm. as yours. So they bring up a search box for you. You type in the name of your business. If it comes up, you can say, I'm the business owner for this and I want to claim it. Right. And to do that, they will send a physical postcard to your business address. Yes, I did that. Ironically. Uh, ironically, for yeah. Google, they send you a proper postcard with a little code on it and then you put that back into the website and then it's yours. You've verified your listing. Right. And that's the first thing and the most basic thing that needs doing is claim your listing and get it verified. Okay. Um, and then, so once they've got that, they've claimed their account, they've, you know, legitimized themselves as, as the owner of this business. What do they need to do then? So assume it's just filling out all the details, contact number, maybe a link to your website. Um, what else needs to go in there? And then, you know, we've got the thing around reviews and, and how all that works. So maybe let's, let's sort of, let's, let's go down the rabbit hole, Rick. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's get in there. So Google business profiles have a ton of opportunities for you to populate information, add content, etc. So first thing is when you get it opened up is to just populate as much as you possibly can. And that's linked to your website, your phone number. Uh, do not recommend using a, a cell phone number or a mobile number because um, for two reasons, people still view that as a bit dodgy. Mm. Um, and so do Google. And if you've got your, your actual landline number for your business with the local area code, Google view that as more optimized, more credible. Link to your booking system if you have one. You can add that separately to the website. Right. You can add your opening hours and be specific about it. You can add um, the ability for customers to leave reviews, and that's really, really important. That's a big ranking factor of which will determine how far up the results your clinic sits against your competitors locally. Um, and there's a few of these ranking factors that we'll talk about. Reviews is a big one. Your proximity to the center of a town or city is another big one. Not something you can easily change. You have <laughs> to move your clinic, but it's, it is a, a factor, especially if you're deciding where to locate a new clinic. Um, that is a factor. Because you will see sometimes for one search phrase, there might be five clinics. They might have identical business listings, same number of reviews, but the one that's closer to the center or in the middle of the high street or what have you is the first result. Um, the other element which can be confusing is the results depend on literally where you're standing when you make the search. Hmm. So sometimes I'll speak to a practitioner and they'll say, well, I'm already number one locally for this search phrase. 
and I'll say, oh, interesting. Where were you standing when you tested that? And they'll say, in my in my clinic. <laughs> and that's why you're number one, because you're standing on top of that search result. Yeah, interesting. Whereas if you're two miles away, five miles away, 10 miles away, you might be nowhere in the results, but that's where you you want customers from. So the other really cool thing about the Bright Local tool is it will show you actually on a search grid where you rank half a mile out, one mile out, two miles, five miles. And so you can see where you've got to work harder with your profile, your content, your website, et cetera, to increase your rank at those radiuses. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Um, so there's a ton of other elements to the Google profile that you can fill out. You can add every single service you offer in a list of services. You can add, there's a whole section called Q&A, questions and answers. And based on what I said before about how people search now and that it's on full questions, if you think through, and I'll tell you where to get the data for this, all the most common questions people have about the types of treatments that you do, all of those questions and the answers to them need to be in your business profile. Okay. So you can add questions and then add the answers and they'll all be listed. Then when people search for these questions, your business profile is far more likely to come up top because you've got all the information, all the questions, all the answers for those treatment types, those skin conditions, etc. I think wow. you told us the website in our first chapter and I can't remember the name of the website. You did tell us. About what? Yes. So it's called answerthepublic.com. That was it, answerthepublic.com. And it gives and you just, uh, all the frequently asked questions that people are searching for, correct? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. It is mm. amazing. So you put in a search phrase or a treatment name and it will tell you every question or comparison or every kind of search relating to that treatment type. Wow. And it's ordered in the amount of times people have searched for it. So you take the topmost search question and you write content that answers that question. Yeah, and logical. This, if you can then add that to your website as a blog article and a shorter version as a post into your business profile, because your Google business profile allows you to add posts into it. Yeah. And some people realize this and some clinics realize this and they use it sporadically. Some people use it regularly but they still make a common mistake which is they copy whatever goes on their instagram into their google business profile which is a mistake or a missed opportunity because this is not social media yeah this is search and so the captions and the questions and the answers you would write differently because you're looking for key searches key phrases to be in there um so put the posts into the business profile we recommend you need to do at least three per month or one every 10 days to keep your profile more active and ranking higher. Mm. And we've seen sometimes if a clinic goes from not using that at all to suddenly posting every week, they jump up several ranked places and start to see a significant increase in traffic from Google local results. I have to admit, I didn't know you could do posts and I don't go. think I've ever done one. So I'm going to do one tonight. There you go. <laughs> all right. So, Ooh, so you go in there, you, you do all of your blog articles, you put in all of this relevant information, you do all your, your FAQ. So 
Um, those are the things that I guess within your immediate control as a business owner or the person that's been assigned to take care of that within the business. Um, but then we've, you mentioned things like reviews. Now, how does how does that fit into all of this? And you know, a lot of people would be asking, well, how do I get these positive reviews or how do I encourage people to do it? You know, you've got other questions that pop up all the time in this industry. Unfortunately, some of us are like children and we write negative reviews about our competitors because, you know, that's a way we can sort of slow them down and, and bring ourselves up. Unfortunately, that happens and, and it's an issue that is quite contentious and, and plagues a lot of clinics and businesses. So yeah. how do these reviews impact and, and sort of how do we deal with those issues that I just sort of raised? Got you. So... First thing to say is I think actually once you've got a reasonable amount of positive reviews, it's okay to have a negative one because that person just looks like a nutter <laughs> and that makes it more realistic. Yeah. Um, th there are some CRM systems that will collect reviews automatically and then it will only ask people that left a five out of five to go and leave a Google review. Hmm. And I think that creates a slightly fake looking yeah, Google profile because it's only five out of five from anyone, which is not realistic. Yeah. Um, having said that, automation to collect reviews is one good idea. So in your booking system, if you have an automated email to go out after the treatment day to ask them to leave a Google review, that's a good idea. However, people are really busy and the uptake is not always great on asking for reviews. So the first best time to ask for it is whilst they're still with you in right. your clinic. If you have a tablet set up or something like that in the weight area or in the clinic area, and you say, oh, before you go, Dave, <laughs> would you mind? It really makes a big difference. If you've had a good experience with us, would you mind leaving a Google review? It's dead easy. You can use this iPad. Um, you don't have to have a Google account. You can create one in the process. It takes two seconds. Um and by the way, if you're happy to, if you wouldn't mind mentioning the treatment you had in the town that we're in, that would be awesome. Mm, yeah. Because yes. that's that means if you can get people to follow that process, every review that you have helps you increase your rank because it's got the treatment types and the town you're in in every review. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of people might be shy about asking for these reviews or hoping that if people have a good experience that they're just going to do it for you. And I know from personal experience owning clinics in this space that um, if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and Correct. if someone's had a great experience, they're in your clinic, they're just feeling great about their interaction with you. They're all hyped up about being in your space. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. They're there. Now's the time. Make it easy for them. Hand them, as you said, the iPad or give them a link that they can do on their phone. Sometimes, you know, you might, if you've got something in your clinic, like, you know, an LED treatment or a skincare product or something as a way of saying thank you for them taking the time to give you a review, all those sort of strategies work well. But I think that, I guess the message for me is that, um, and I've said this before, you know, hope is not a strategy and hoping that people are going to do the right thing. Um, you know, and it's not even the fact that people don't want to, they're busy, they get distracted. If you don't get them while they're then and there, then you've kind of lost that opportunity. Would you, would you agree, Rick? Yeah. 100%. You've only got to think about your own behavior in the rest of your life. How often would you do that? Leave a review? Never. It, you know, it's only if somebody was literally to ask you to your face or you had an amazing experience and you just couldn't help yourself. You had to go and tell the world. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, every time you get those review emails, because you've been to a hotel, you've yeah. 
done an activity, you, you delete. just delete the email. Yeah, which which raises a, which which raises a question, Rick. That maybe you can answer for me. Who are all these people that write reviews for Yelp and TripAdvisor? Who are these people that sit there and have the time to write a three-page epilogue on? the i don't know the oysters that they had at some restaurant in the middle of bumfuck nowhere i mean how how <laughs> who are these people these are not our people Dave. right these are not they're not our tribe <laughs> you've, done, you've done one Jake, well, you? okay <laughs> no no i've got a confession it's actually for trip advisor i used to take it quite seriously so yeah. like years ago we had you know you go on a holiday you know you spend a lot of time researching holidays and you don't want to fuck up because you don't want to miss it for two weeks <laughs> So I thought, you know, I can give something back and actually leave a genuine thing. So I used to do that for years and then I thought, oh my gosh, it's such a waste of my life. So no, but I don't think I've ever left a Google review. I don't think yeah. so anyway. But um, uh, TripAdvisor, yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, when we have had a couple of shocking experiences, my wife has taken it upon herself to take a good day out of her life to write the longest review you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you're quite right. You know, customer service is slipping generally, yeah. globally. Yeah. So when you've done a lot of research and spent a lot of money, you want yeah. to leave a review. I, I will say with, with, um, with Google reviews, you're depending on people having a Google account or a Google email to log in and do it, I think. I don't think you can do it. Not necessarily. You can still do it with like a Hotmail or any other email. You can just create the account whilst you do the review. Okay. So how long does that take? Because most people go, oh, seconds. it's too difficult. It is, it is seconds. Okay, fair yeah, enough. I, I get that objection a lot, but when you actually sit and do it, it is like under a minute. Yeah. Um, the other objection you sometimes hear from clinics or practitioners that, uh, about discretion. You know, patients yeah. don't want to people to know. But the, I guess the my answer to that is usually, well, the only people that are going to see that review are people that are also looking to have a treatment in that clinic. So they're not likely to be judging that person. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's something to think yeah. about. I know slightly that off- stigma is falling away. It as is. Well, rapidly. Well, it is. I was going to say slightly off, well, it's not off topic, but what do you do with those one stars that you do think are not genuine? It's, it's David taking the piss out of me and, and leaving one stars. <laughs> like what, I mean, is there anything you can do? I know, I don't think there's really an appeal service. Uh, uh, you can just say, report to Google and then it's in the hands of the Google guys. I mean, I've right? got some strategies, but I'm keen to hear what Rick, Rick says or join me to, join yeah, to what I, mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. It is really, if it's genuinely fake or outrageous, it's really hard to get it removed, really yeah. hard. You can raise a ticket through your business profile yeah. to get Google to look at it. But the best thing to do is just reply to it publicly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just make yourself look normal yeah. and reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, you should do that anyway. Every single review you get, you should reply to it, by the way. I, I will say um, this. I, I got some advice actually from a lawyer about this. They said, you've got to be careful in our industry because you still need to maintain confidentiality. So you can sort of say something generic like, oh, thank you for taking the time to reply. Um, we don't have anyone on your records under this name you know, and just sort of leave it at that. Um, and the same for if it's a positive review, you don't really want to leave any information like, 
I don't know, something that could be non-anonymous that yeah. potentially then someone could get funny about. So just keep it yeah. relatively generic. Yeah, so thank you, advice. Jake. We appreciate your positive feedback on your penis enlargement that you had at our clinic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we, ho we, ho <laughs> we hope everyone's happy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the thing is that I've, I've, I've done the same thing as what you've suggested, Rick, is, is just to reply and just encourage yeah. them to, you know, if they do have a gripe or a complaint, Say, if, you know, if it is a fake account, say, look, as you said, um, we don't have anyone by that name in our records, although we do take, you know, feedback on board seriously. We'd love, we'd love to talk to you about your concerns. Please get in touch with us too so we can discuss with you on one-on-one or, or something like that. That's what I've always done when those things happen. Yeah, and genuinely, that kind of uh, getting your personality and your sort of values across in those kind of replies can convert a prospect. Yeah. When they're looking at your reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you should also reply to all the positive ones as well. By yeah, the way. absolutely. Um, because replying to every review is one of those ranking factors because it shows that the profile is super active. Yeah. And when you reply, if they're okay with it, you can mention the treatment they had in the town you're in again. Yeah. So that those phrases are always in the profile. So, so what should people be aiming for? Like, what's a good metric? I mean, you know, the question might be, well, how many reviews do I need? How much is enough? Is it my more is more? Or is it like what you know? What 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 would you say is some sort of healthy metrics or, or KPIs to sort of work toward with this kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean the the biggest factor here is like how populated your area is. Yep, that would make it take longer or less time to get to a good number of reviews. But there seem to be a couple of things that happen at fifty or a hundred reviews, where you send tend to then be getting a lot more traffic to your profile because it's mm. showing up more often for search results, especially after a hundred reviews. So I would say you could set your first target to be getting 50 good reviews. Yeah. Um, and then go for a hundred yep. thereafter. Yep. It, it's important to have the process established. Yeah. Make sure that if you've got a whole team that they all understand the importance yep. of it, that you're asking for the reviews, that you have the follow-up messages. Another one, apart from email, is obviously you can integrate now with WhatsApp for business. Mm -hmm. Your clinic can have a WhatsApp account. Yep. And so that can be integrated into a lot of CRMs and automatically send a short link to leave a Google review by WhatsApp. You get a bigger uptake on that because people have got it in their hand. It's easy yeah. to just do it if they're sat somewhere. Yeah. I, I found that um, working with, with large teams and you've got, you know, hundreds of patients coming through your clinics on a weekly basis. I used to run internal competitions with my with my staff. So I'd do like a weekly competition with the, you know, the staff member that got the, you know, the most number of positive reviews would get, you know, an early mark or they might get a, a gift voucher or they might get some sort of, of reward and recognition for doing that. And it just creates a little bit of, you know, competition, healthy competition within the team. And um, it keeps all of that stuff sort of in the mind of your of your of your team because people aren't just going to leave good reviews just for an average or below average experience. So not only does it encourage the reviews to come, it also, you know, creates this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where your staff will then actually be focused on upping their game in terms of the experience that they're giving to your patients or customers as well. I really like that. That's really good. That's and right. I, I think to, to sort of extend on from that, you can include those reviews on a rolling screen in the clinic. Yep. You can add them to your website. Um, that's all what we call social proof in yep. digital marketing terms yep. and things that will help. Well, it will fire up your team, but also people coming in, it's massively reassuring to know 
what experiences of other people have had, the level of reviews that you've got, etc. Yeah. Just be careful in Australia, you're not allowed to use testimonials or reviews like that on your website or your advertising. So it's a bit of a weird Australian quirk, but you can't put that on your website or you shouldn't, should I say? Because hmm. Opera could deem it to be, it, it, you know, because you never know if these reviews are real, well, paid for, you you know, you don't know. So Opera would take a quite a dim view of that. But I don't think they can control what people write to you in a public forum. No, so, no, no. Yeah. So it can be on Google, that's fine. Yeah. But you can't then copy and paste that and put it on your website. No, but you can, maybe you have it in your clinic um, potentially. Yeah. I wonder if there would be a nuance around that if you include the official Google kind of ticker tape on your website. So it's just pulling directly from your Google reviews. Yeah, just I, I thought it, it's, it's still sort of seen as basically a testimony. I, I think I think the line is if you if you have control over the process, then they can hold you responsible for it. So if you have the ability to remove that from your website, then they kind of hold the gun to your head because you've kind of not done what you're supposed to do. So I think I think that's how it works. Why the hell did I move to this country? It's so stupid. <laughs> you want to go back to the UK where, where uh, your house cleaner can do your filler? Yeah, I'm going to move into Rick's house. His house looks beautiful. How, how is your uh, conversion going or, or your renovating? Well, we just, uh, for the first time in about five years, we're happy with it. Like we're done. Nice. For now. There you go. Uh, there's a little bit of landscaping to do, but... Yeah, I've spent the best part of the last three or four years renovating a 400-year-old. Oh, wow. You sound like one of those people from Grand Designs. You know, I, lo I love the UK version of Grand Designs. You know, that guy that he's, he's so funny, the, the, guy, the host from that show. He, you know, he'd, hey. go and, he'd go and visit these people out in the middle of like, you know, the country somewhere <laughs> yeah. and they've bought some old castle. Decre decrepit castle that's got three walls and and they, they, they you know, they've got a budget and then they, you know, and then he comes back out there and he's like, oh, and, and Graham and Anna have blown their budget by 500,000 pounds and now it's <laughs> winter and they're in, and they're in a caravan and they're like with nine kids and it's it's just like, i was in a caravan we go. were in a caravan for six months there you go that's hilarious it was horrendous yeah i do not recommend it oh. i'm very very pleased with it now actually i've got a question so how does the experience change for the patient Let, let's think of the patient experience here whether they're on a laptop or a mobile and optimizing you know what you're showing patients whether whether it's mobile laptop because i think the stats are i think you told us in the last episode about 90 percent of searches are through phones now rather than on a computer yeah 100 so, so, so is it the same well, thing 90 percent. yeah so same deal um in fact it's probably even higher in terms of how many people use uh, a device a mobile device for searching for things like this yeah because it's a personal search, really. Um, if you're searching for where to get aesthetic treatments or how to get a divorce, then you're probably going to do it on your mobile because <laughs> um, it's a personal search. So it's 90 plus percent people use mobile. Right. Um, on a laptop, you can still see local results depending on the settings that you've got set up or if you're in your private browsing mode. Not sure why you'd be in that, Jake. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can still see local results. Yeah. The, so the important thing is to think about mobile first for the patient experience. So if you think of it from the patient's perspective, they should be able to get all the way from opening up Google and looking for, trip, I don't know, jawline treatments yeah. or what have you, local to me, through to a really well-ranked, well-populated business profile. 
then through to your website, which then needs to be beautifully mobile optimized, should be dead easy to use and navigate on a phone, fast to load as well, which is important through to making a booking or an inquiry. All of that process should be fully mobile optimized as well. And then yeah. not all yet. Yeah. There are still some of the older clinic softwares and booking softwares that are horrible on a mobile, yeah. which is crazy because um, that's where it's all happening. So the whole process and to the comms they get afterwards, the emails that you send should be mobile optimized. Mm. They're not always. Sometimes you get emails and you're having to zoom in to look at them. <laughs> um, so the whole thing should be mobile friendly from soup to nuts, as they say. Yeah. Can I throw you a curveball, Rick? Go on then. VPNs. And for anyone that doesn't know what a VPN is, it stands for Virtual Private Network. They are yeah. advertised everywhere. Every time I watch a YouTube video, someone's sponsored by ExpressVPN or NordVPN or one of these characters. And so what they do is they scramble your IP address so that you have some more privacy around your search. Now, how does that, if at all, impact sort of local searches and things like that? If you're in, I don't know, Essex, and then your VPN is telling you that you're in Vaucluse in Sydney... How, how, how does that all work for your for your interactions with Google searches? So you'd see what Jake saw at the top and it would say, choose your area. Right. Okay. So it, it automatically you, detects it, that you're on a VPN and then wants you to select? It'll know. It will be confused. It won't right. know wh whether you're somewhere or not. And it will say, choose your area. Right. And it might show results for the last place that you were or that it had you saved in your browser as being. Um, and it will say, pick where you want to see the results for. Right. Okay. I mean, how popular are VPNs now? I mean, do you have any sort of data around how, how commonly they're being used? And is there anything that would alter um, your input from sort of the way you create your account or not and everything remains the same and it's just all up to the user? I don't have the data on it, but um, anecdotally, certainly in the UK, most people would be using VPNs because they're trying to download or stream films or watch pay-per-view boxing matches that they haven't paid for right? and things like that <laughs> rather than sort of day-to-day -day stuff. But privacy is increasing all the time. There's new browser extensions to protect you from, you know, cookies and tracking and things like that. So it is definitely something to factor in in future. And if that becomes super prevalent and, you know, hardly anybody ends up having location enabled, which I don't see happening. I see it, more people having it. But if it did, I'd probably move some focus and budget to paid ads because right. they'll show up right. regardless. Okay. Can I ask, um, so there may be listeners sat there, they've maybe had a little play with Google My Business and they've plugged in the stuff that we just spoke about. But many people may not have the skill or maybe they've got someone else like you Rick, to actually design their website so what is the information that actually shows up on the search and how do you change that or tailor that or should you change that that that's all metadata is that correct yeah so obviously up until now we've been talking about the google business profile yeah but what affects it and what helps you rank is what's happening with your website as well. Mm -hmm. You can function with just a Google business profile and no website, right. but it's not optimal at all. Um, but it does work. You can have one in the same way that you can run a clinic with only an Instagram account if you really want to. Um, but please don't do that. Have a website. You need a website. Um, 
And really, it's about, like you said, metadata, which is very simply, it's the tags and the headings that Google would see when they crawl your website. Separate to that, it's all about the content. And as we said before, really, the strategy is if you have on your website articles and pages that answer all of the questions about the conditions that you treat, the treatment types you offer, you will start to rank if you've got a very well-optimized business profile and a well-populated website with content, you will start to rank. Then there's some tech technical elements to consider, which is the website really shouldn't be a Wix. Jake, Jake. Jake. Platform. I'm on Wix. Jake. <laughs> Jake, Jake, <laughs> because it's not ideal for SEO and it's a bit bloated and it doesn't load super quick and it's not fully accessible. Um, it's better than it used to be, but it's not ideal. Yeah. WordPress is the ideal platform for SEO. Google loves it. Um, and so it, and it loads faster and Google loves a fast loading website because they know it will be a better experience on the phone. What, what actually dictates the speed? Is it graphics? What, what What is it? Yeah, so a lot of the time, especially if you take the example of a Wix site, it, there's a lot of code in there that doesn't need to be there. It's bloated. Mm -hmm. um, images and videos get uploaded in a suboptimal way. So there'll be like a big fat nine megabyte jpeg on the home page which just slows it down and it takes forever to load on a phone so it's about being lean with the way it's built and the way you add content to it mm -hmm. there's newer formats of images as well i don't want to get super geeky with this but you wouldn't typically add jpegs anymore to websites you would use svg files and other types that are much leaner yeah and that they change shape depending on what device you're looking at mm. um so there's new and modern ways to create pages that make them lightning fast, which make them rank faster. So there is a technical geeky bit to it, but for the most part, it's about having the content um, that answers those questions. Yeah. And what you see in Google local results gives you a clue as to what Google's looking for. So if you, I don't know if you still have that search in front of you, Jake, that you did, but you will see next to each result in the map, little blue icons next to each one. Yep. And you might see a little planet icon, and that means they found some content on that business's website that related to your search. You might see a little blue circle with a person yeah. in it, and that means they found yeah. the search phrase in a review. Yes. Those little blue things are called justifications, and that's Google telling us all the stuff that they look for and all the stuff you need to focus on. You might see a blue circle with a tick in it, and that means that you had that service listed in the back end of your business profile. And the last one that you might see is a blue circle with an exclamation mark in it, and that means they found that search phrase in one of the posts that you added to your oh, Google business profile. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. that's Google saying, if you have all the right content on your website, in your reviews, in your posts, and in your service listings, we will list you, we will rank you, and you will get traffic. I'm starting to think you know what you're talk talking about, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting the hang of it. So tell me, for, for people that maybe have multiple locations, how, how does this work in terms of, um, obviously, you want to have a Google My Local Business for 
for each location, but how does that sort of impact on the way you kind of maybe design your website or natural SEO? Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's an ongoing debate, to be honest, as well. Um, even this week, I've been asked that question by someone who's got, you know, they're opening up five clinics Jeez, in the UK. That's ambitious. Do we, do we have five websites? Do we have one website? Do we have multiple Google listings? In that case, the strategy I've suggested is multiple Google listings, but one website. But the way that the website's structured, you can almost have mini sections within one website for each location. Yeah. Um, and we started doing this a long, long time ago before we were working with clinics. We used to work with law firms and there was one law firm that um, they had an interesting kind of virtual model where they had a lawyer in every city, but they were kind of a self-employed lawyer, but they wanted to get the search traffic for each town so they could give enough business to each lawyer. And so we built one website, but the profile page for each lawyer was optimized around the town they were in. Right. And you can do the same with one clinic website that has multiple locations. You can have mini sections that are about the town. Yeah. So you can feature content that is locally relevant. You can have the locally relevant metadata around it. Each one can feature a separate team and feature the details of that location. But then on the business profile side, you would, you'd have a separate business profile for each one with the correct address and the correct uh, link that goes into that part of the website, the phone number and the web, uh, the booking details for that location. So it's a slightly different approach. Um, having multiple websites potentially would have some benefits, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so you're better off just building one that serves multiple locations. Yeah, I've encountered a, a weird quirk that I gather many injectors who maybe work in multi-locations also encounter. So if I, I've obviously got my own website, drjakesloan.com, but I don't work at a shop called drjakesloan.com or Dr. Jake Sloan, it's called Infinity Skin Clinic. So, mm. you know, the way Google finds me and allocates me and puts me on a map can be confusing. Mm. So... In my Google My Business, I've obviously got the two locations of the two Infinity Skin Clinics at different towns, but my own website, because that's where they're going to get the most information, my booking site and all the rest of it. So can be confusing. Do you, any, any tips for, for people in that situation and me? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that a lot where, and even where people have changed name at some point, but haven't updated mm. either the web address or the business profile name. So it's just trying where possible to be consistent with the branding and, and the nomenclature for how you uh, title your listings. Um, you could potentially, in your case, update your business listing to be clinic name dash by Dr. Jake's loan. Now, that kind of thing might help or adding more posts into the profile that link back to mm. your website. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that can cause some issues i've seen that we're also seeing at the moment we've got a couple of clients that have opened clinics inside uh malls or department stores yeah so there in your business listing there is an option within google to suggest that they list it as this clinic is located inside harvey nichols or right. flannels or what have you um so that you're then benefiting 
from some of the traffic from the whole mm. place that you're in, the whole mall, department store, complex, whatever it is that you're in, you're connected to it. And yeah. that's a good thing because that's a higher profile listing with more traffic and you're part of it now. Mm. Um, do businesses that are part of this so let's let's take the example of like a chain clinic for example and you might have multiple locations across the country and one's getting absolutely rubbish reviews and one's doing really well they've got a great team how do they do they have any sort of impact on each other in terms of how they rank or affect your your sort of google local business ranking at all it depends how you set them up because you can kind of link them in a in some right. ways you can kind of set them up and say it's the so-and-so branch of, mm -hmm. um, or you can have separate listings. I'd probably say it's better at this level. If, if you're a bank and you've got a hundred locations, then you want it all managed kind of centrally and they're all linked. Whereas if you've got five clinics, just setting them up under separate accounts, mm -hmm. separate listings is going to benefit you in the long term. Because if any one gets flagged or blocked, it's not going to impact the others. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, obviously, the most common question we get from people is, how do I rank number one in Google? And you've touched on some core principles. Obviously, having your Google um, My Business set up with as much information as possible. You spoke about getting as many um, uh, reviews as possible, doing posts, making sure your metadata is correct. But is there anything else that we've sort of not touched on that is, is important? Um, that people can sort of do themselves or do they have to engage someone like your company? Uh, there are about 89 other things you have to do. Okay, cool. Well, month. if you want to go step by step. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, over the years, we've just built our own kind of internal checklist of yes. stuff that makes a difference. So there is a lot, there is a lot, but the, you've touched on the bigger ones. And I think it's the bigger ones that if you're running it yourself and you want to make a difference, then it's, fully fully populate that profile update it no matter what every month because just the fact that you've changed it keeps it active ranks it higher i mean so for example sure you got, your address isn't going to change phone number's not going to change so is it just the posts add add another service edit the description of a service okay add a post for sure add a post every week um photos and videos is another element to the business profile that you can keep active and updated right um something else happens when you've got more than a hundred photos or videos in mm. your business profile we've seen for some reason they get 30 to 40 percent more traffic mm. than ones with less um i wouldn't add all of those in one go <laughs> just add a few every week or so um the posts you can add offers and events to your business profile so for example, if you add an event, let's say you're having a relaunch or a clinic opening or launching a new device or treatment, then you can add that as an event with the date. And when people are looking for clinics or search, searching for conditions in the area, it will feature on the profile. This clinic's having an open night next Thursday. And that's another closer. It's, it helps to increase your conversion rate. It helps to increase the rank as well because you've got something happening on your profile that's current and it gives Google a reason to feature it higher than your competitors. Yeah. And then everything else is to do with what happens on your website, how much content you're adding there, how many pages you have about relevant treatments, etc. 
um, and just use a tool like Bright Local to track how you're getting on. See where you rank for certain search terms. Just pick something like, I don't know, acne treatment and the name of your town and see where you rank right now, one mile, two mile, five miles out from your location and then spend the next two weeks writing a couple of blog articles on your website and adding a couple of posts to your business profile and then see where you rank after that. Yeah, interesting. I've seen earlier this week, we were coaching a client who wanted to rank for a certain brand of skincare treatment that they offer. And they were something like 50th in the results before we started. We wrote a couple of blog articles. We added a new page to the site and we put a post into the business profile and they jumped to position two wow. from 50th. So just simple things, but you need to follow the process for each search term and then retest. And you will see over time, you can start to rank in the top three, which is where you need to be. Um, because, by the way, the top three get 70% of the search traffic and yeah. the rest fight over the remaining 30%. Yeah, no one's going to page four for Botox Sydney. Might want to go beyond page it's not one. even <laughs> page four. So when you look at the map results on the homepage, it only shows three clinics. Yeah. So when I say top three, I don't mean the first three pages. I mean the top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those top three get 70% of the traffic because then you have to click see more to get the rest of the clinics. Yeah, interesting. And the ones in the city more, that could be 30 clinics, are fighting over the remaining 30% of traffic. So it's really important to focus on this. And you, when you master it for your top treatments, you are getting the lion's share of the interest and the potential patients, and you start to see a big difference. I wanted to ask, because, you know, I've seen websites, and, and it's obviously they've potentially gone to someone like yourself but taking it to the nth degree so it just reads so stupid that it'll be like dermal fillers sydney are really popular and dermal fillers sydney and every sentence is dermal fillers sydney because they're packing it with all these key terms and <laughs> and meta tags and like you can see what they're doing but it's just a non-functional stupid website so how do you yeah, get that I'll balance you, i'll tell you why that's not going to work for them going forwards uh, I mean, it never really did. It did in the old days and it because Google wasn't as smart as it is now. But Google released something last year called the Helpful Content Update. And it sounds super friendly and simple, but it is highly, highly sophisticated. And what it is, is they know, okay, they just know the difference between copy written for search only and copy that is useful for people. Right, And so you have to strike the balance. So when I say you need content that answers the questions, I mean, you need to answer the questions that people have yeah. in a way that helps them and educates them. And that in itself is good Google practice because that's entirely what their algorithm is looking for. So one easy win longer. would to be, uh, you said blogs, but also just having an extensive FAQ section. Yeah, absolutely. FAQs are key. Another thing that works really well, um, this is kind of SEO. It's more related to website performance and conversion rate, which we will do another day. But we advocate creating something called a lead magnet on a website, which is, let's say you're on the section about dermal filler on the website. If I'm the 
prospective patient, I've really only got two choices when I look at your website usually, which is I book or I leave. But there is a third option where we can offer them in exchange for their email address, the ultimate guide to dermal mm. filler, what to ask your practitioner, the areas that can be treated, all the common questions, just pop your email in and we'll send you the ultimate guide. That gets them then on a mailing list and you can automatically or manually follow up with them later. That Adding that to some of the key areas on your website takes it to a new level and you start to generate more leads, more inquiries, build mailing lists, etc. And that's helpful content too. See, whenever I go to a website that does something like that, I get really smug and I'm like, I know what you're doing here. And then I just click, <laughs> click out of it because <laughs> I don't want to get that spam email and I don't want to, I don't need the 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 101 guide to whatever it is. I just want to book or not book. It annoys me. So you you're just got to be careful. Jake, you, you're just a cynic. You can't argue with the stats. <laughs> like, we see it working all the time. Fair <laughs> <laughs> Finally, some validation. Yay. I'm just a <laughs> smug idiot. No, I think we all get too many emails, so yeah, I'm course. mindful of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you think we've missed, Rick? Have we, have we sort of covered it all? Is there anything, any pertinent questions that we, we haven't covered or topics that we haven't delved into in relation to this? I think we've covered a lot of it. I think the the one thing I would always want to leave people with is don't be scared of this thing. Like A lot of it is just form filling. It's yeah. easy to do. Um, and again, I'm not popular with digital marketers when I say things like this, because they want everyone <laughs> to go and sign up for a direct debit for unknown voodoo magic services, but it's not actually difficult. It is hard work and it does take a lot of your time, but getting the basics right that we talked about, you know, claiming your listing, verifying yeah. it, fully populating it, adding a post every week, getting your review process sorted. Anyone can do that um anyone can do that so that's my main kind of message is just get started go and grab hold of it if you want to we've got a thing on our website which will assess where people are at now there's a scorecard um if you go to ltf.digital there's a scorecard on there um that will show you where you're weak and strong now including your google local mm -hmm. rankings and it will make some suggestions that you can follow things that we've talked about today, but other things as well. Yeah, yeah guys, the um, link for that will be at the bottom of the podcast description. So can you just summarize, you know, what people can do sort of right now? Because I, I know there are sort of people who their brain sort of fogs over when we start saying Google local, Google business. So I think the main thing was um, open or, or create a Google My Business account or or claim your, your business, I think you said. And then once you've yeah. sort of got access to that, whether you can do it immediately or Google send you something to your, uh, like a postcard to your address where your business is, and then you can validate who you are. Then you populate as much as you can, update it once a month, and then just start thinking about how your website talks to Google with key search terms, locations, services, um, frequently asked questions. And then you should see some improvement in your ranking if you do that consistently. Perfect. You did it for me, Jake. Well, there you go. Hang on. <laughs> Excellent. Podcast done. Yeah, exactly, exactly all of that. It works. See, if I can teach someone to teach someone else, then I've done my job and you just did it. There you go. I was freaking out before this podcast because I said to David, ah. I don't know anything about this topic. <laughs> I, but I, 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 am, I am the king of wing. There yeah. You <laughs> no, 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 I, look, I, I think it's reasonable. I do do some of this myself, but I guess it's never been formalized. I've just kind of done it in a very un 
yeah, un, unscheduled way, but maybe once a month I should just log in and yeah, not so haphazard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's a lot of the thing is a lot of this stuff is about getting into habits and just baking it in. If you, a lot of people have like an admin afternoon every week or something yeah. like that, yeah, um, just bake it into that. You know, write a blog, update your Google business profile, and crack on. Yeah. What do you think about getting Chat GPT to write your blogs? Well. Uh, we have been playing with that and it is bloody good. <laughs> yeah. However, um, it still, I would say it gets you 70% there yeah. at the moment with an article, but you still need to give it the human touch. You need to make sure it works for a human to read it. But I was, I was really surprised. It is really good. Yeah. I um, mean, and the, the current version is called GPT three gpt4 is coming out and it is something like a hundred thousand times smarter than gpt3 gpt4 is coming out in the next couple of weeks and oh it will be able to write a sixty thousand book from a single prompt uh, a sixty thousand word book from a single uh, prompt. i've got to say i'm so, quite excited about it for the uses of business and, and stuff like you know content writing i think it's really going to make it much more efficient also kind of we're also talking about of... seo today so the watch out is Google is not a fan of ChatGBT because it's a threat to it. And I think it will start to work very hard to try and recognize AI-generated content mm. and not rank it. Mm. That's super interesting. Because it's something we have to look out for. It, it does rank it right now, and it is working right now. But I think at some point in the future, Google may turn against AI because it sees it as a big threat. Well, it's just like uh, the cyborgs versus the it's Googles. Like, it's like Terminator Judgment Day. Yeah, Here we go. <laughs> it is like the the person that um, Arnie has to come back and kill yeah. has already been born. <laughs> wow, there you go. Well, you have to let us know when you're ready to have a chat about that because it is topical. I'm seeing yeah. it pop up on podcasts all over the place with the the people that I listen to. It, it's become quite a a point of contention and interest. So mm. whenever you're ready, give us a yell and we'd love to talk to you about it and how people can uh, potentially implement it into what they're doing or things they need to be careful of. But um, absolutely, thank you. I mean, this, this, this is just the second in a number of um, episodes we're going to be doing with you with everything that comes with digital marketing. And I know it's an area that many of us struggle with. So thank you very much again for your time, Rick. Um, it's always fun, entertaining, no worries, educational, and slightly terrifying. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, buddy. And uh, like I said, you guys. Rick's uh, contact information will be at the bottom of the podcast. Don't, don't forget to do your, um, uh, if you get to look, touch, feel on Instagram, do, do, do your um, checklist. If you go to the bio link, check your mm. business and see how well you're doing. Rick will judge you. And uh, yeah, and joking aside, if, in, if you in are in a nice way, yeah. yeah. But if you're not ranking well, you know, it's it's all there. It's easily accessible, and Rick will give you a score, and then you can book in for a consultation yeah. if you so wish. Absolutely. Thanks again, Rick, and we'll look forward to our next chat. And uh, stay well, and we'll speak soon. Take care, buddy. See you, you later, too, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye, you. Buddy. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 